Hello again. Welcome back to Bear Books, the podcast hosted by yours truly, Daisy Ray and April Berry. All about appreciating indie authors with interviews and reviews, writing and reading new flash fiction stories and getting authors noticed by their readers. Today we have three flash fiction stories to read to you from the writing prompt. Just sick of it. We'll have a chat about the stories after we've read them all for you. Once your feet are up and your coffee is in hand, we don't want to disturb your listening pleasure. So sit back and relax and we'll read you a story. Well, three if you want to get technical. The first is April's, followed by mine, and April will round off the reading with this prompt's winning writer, Carolyn Ward-Daniels. We had a minor mouse adventure partway through recording today. You'll hear about that later. I think he just wanted his five minutes of podcast fame and to maybe be amused for a future story. Here's April with the first of today's stories. Sarah turned to James. An immediate look of disdain crossed her face. James was swigging beer straight from a can and staring inanely at the TV, something that Sarah hated. It wasn't the only thing she hated about James. She couldn't abide the way he loosened his trousers after a meal, left the toilet seat up, didn't care about the kids. The worst thing, though, was his hygiene habits, but the less said about that, the better. Sarah tutted loudly. James turned. What's up, love? He asked. Why can't you have a conversation with me instead of watching that shite all the time? She snapped at him. Precisely because you're always snapping at me having a go at everything I do and say, so why would you want to talk to me anyway? And you choose what we watch and it's mind-numbing, James retorted. Sarah sprang up from the settee, stormed out of the room. As she did, she realised she had the TV remote in her hand and as she reached the door, she turned and threw it at James. It bounced off the side of his head and fell to the floor. Sarah stormed upstairs. She was just sick of all of this. James smiled to himself and picked up the remote rapidly flicking through the channels until he found his favourite programme, one he could get lost in, as he was fed up of Sarah's nagging, her constant sniping and complaints about his behaviour. Oh, he knew that Sarah was right in lots of ways, but she seemed to overlook her own shortcomings. But James didn't, and it was time to do something about it and teach Sarah a lesson she wouldn't easily forget. James sat up all night plotting how he could extricate himself from the situation he found himself in. Ideas formulating in his head, some ludicrous, some downright stupid, but all concluded with him either killing or leaving Sarah and meeting someone who would appreciate him for him until he finally fell asleep where he sat. James woke with a jolt, Sarah looming over him with a thunderous look on her face, although she was holding a steaming hot cup of coffee that she thrust at him. James burnt his fingers on the scalding hot mug, cursing under his breath. He placed the mug on the table at the side of the settee. He pulled his stiff body out of the settee and straightened up slowly and went upstairs to get ready for work. At this late, I'm going to be late, he thought. Once James arrived at work, he forgot all about Sarah until break time. He was sat with two of his mates in the canteen, discussing the up-and-coming yearly camping trip to Cornwall that the families went on every year. James mentioned that he didn't really want to go this year, explaining to them the state of his marriage and his daydreams of the previous night. Alan, his best friend since primary school, took him to one side as they left the canteen to return to work. Alan had a concerned look on his face, 
one that worried James a little. Alan started stuttering, something that he only did when he was nervous. I had a message from Fiona earlier, he said to James. Fiona was very good friends with Sarah and, in fact, always took Sarah's side when she was complaining about James, even took it upon herself to chide James for the way she perceived he treated Sarah sometimes. She's asked me not to say anything, but Sarah is leaving you and going to stay with her sister for a while until you come to your senses, Alan went on to say. James stopped listening at that point. Elation flooded over him like a wave. He could see Alan talking, but he wasn't listening any longer. James thought all his Christmases and birthdays had come at once. He couldn't wait for the end of the working day. He walked home with a spring in his step that he'd not had since the days when he and Sarah first got engaged. He put his key in the lock, turning it with anticipation. He really hoped Fiona wasn't lying. James searched through the house and noticed that a lot of Sarah's clothes were gone. Phew, he thought. Grabbing a can of beer from the fridge, he went into the living room to switch on the TV. But searching high and low, he couldn't find the TV remote. He searched in the kitchen, in the bedroom, in the spare room. His phone pinged. It was a WhatsApp picture from Sarah of the TV remote. James stood in the middle of the room. She could even piss him off when he wasn't in the same place as him. But his anger turned to disbelief when he realised that without the remote, he couldn't watch his hero on the television tonight. The first time he had ever missed an episode of Carl Pilkington's Sick of It. Ooh, thank you, April. Quite topical, that, I think. How many couples are living in lockdown, not liking one another particularly much? (laughs) I bet some of those would leave if only they had the opportunity. Excellent, thank you. My turn then. I hope you're sitting comfortably. Millie sat nursing a glass of wine with her usual tears and despondency, trying her damnedest to remember what she had ever seen in Norman and finding nothing. It pretty much always been a sanctimonious son of a bitch, managing to belittle her as a wife and more recently undermining her as a mother. Over the years, she'd argued with him, screamed at him, pleaded with him, tried to appeal to the better man that she imagined must be buried inside him somewhere, but all to no avail. The more wine she drank, the more bitter she became. The more bitter she was, the more she just wanted to bury an ice pick in his skull to maybe look a little deeper for the good in Norman. But no, he was at his happiest when Millie was in tears, and here she was again, in tears. He'd love to see her like this. Well, never again. She was just sick of it. She'd show him. Millie planned to do something to surprise the hell out of him and show him she was a better woman than he'd ever given her credit for. She secretly hired a landscaper to redesign Norman's gardens, building a new summer house where the dilapidated shed stood, with a cute little hot tub and a minibar, a gorgeous patio area outside the kitchen door, with seating, luscious plants and a barbecue. He'd always loved a barbecue with Norman, showing off his cooking prowess to the neighbours. Not that she'd ever been that impressed, but it made him happy. Oh, and she'd even included a treehouse for the kids with a swing hanging off one of the branches. They'd love that, having their friends round and hanging out in their own space as they got older. Having a project was the making of Millie. She felt motivated to get up in the morning, excited with all her plans, 
overjoyed at keeping it all secret from Norman for now. Clandestine meetings with the landscaper while Norman was at work and the kids were at school. This was going to be the making of her broken little family. She just knew it. The highlight of controlling and punishing Millie for being so weak and pathetic for Norman was when he rented the little house next door and made Millie move out of the family home. It was heartbreaking for her. Norman made sure of it. He fought her on every single thing. She couldn't take any furniture with her, not even pots and pans, and the majority of her wardrobe mysteriously vanished when she went to pack her clothes. He was determined she'd go alone and with nothing, not even the kids. He would stay in their home they built together and he would keep the children and leave her to sit alone next door in a grotty rental watching Norman and her children having a wonderful time without her. Norman was at his absolute happiest when he was in control. Control was everything. Millie had spent months fighting through the courts trying to get custody of her children. Despite Norman being a master at undermining her at every opportunity, Millie did eventually get custody of their youngest child, Fletcher, but not her daughter. She was devastated. The judge decided that the children would still have a close relationship and suffer no detriment as they would be living next door to one another. Norman had broken her. Job well done, Norman. Operation Garden, as Millie had taken to calling it, was going great. She enlisted the help of the next-door neighbour but one, Jenny. A good choice, as Jenny knew everyone on the street and loved a secret, even more than she loved her pampered pooch Percy. Jenny was old school and believed in marriage for life no matter what a husband might get up to. Millie hinted that she was worried Norman may have met someone else, but she wanted to try and save her marriage before it was too late. She just knew Jenny was the perfect person to help her fix her marriage. So she confided in her that very morning that Norman was off on a business trip today. He'd be gone until Friday. The excavator would arrive to demolish the old shed and dig the foundations for the summer house. And if Jenny wouldn't mind, would she pick the kids up from school while Millie set the team of landscapers to building the new patio? And didn't she think Norman would be so surprised and thrilled when he came home on Friday evening? The workmen were finished by Wednesday tea time. The early finish, cash bonus, was a great incentive to do a perfect and super efficient job. Millie invited Jenny over to see the finished garden and they giggled like schoolgirls over how impressed with Millie Norman would be on Friday when he got home. This was going to be a fabulous new start for the marriage and the family was sure to be back all under one roof in no time. Norman was going to love that summer house with its new hot tub and bar. Millie said she was convinced he'd never be out of it. Jenny agreed. She was so happy to see Millie so enthusiastic and excited for Norman's return. She'd been so worried for Millie until now. When Jenny went home, Millie stayed at Norman's. She put the kids to bed, poured herself a glass of wine, and went and sat out on the patio. All her family under one roof, with no more problems. She raised her glass to the summer house. Cheers, Norman. I don't need to dig too deep to find the best of you now, do I? Jenny would be so disappointed for Millie when Norman didn't come home on Friday. And that's potentially the end of Norman, as we know him. 
but oh dear, it would seem that there is something amiss in April's house. <laughs> Her housemate has just squealed from the bottom of the stairs, so while April goes to sort that out, I'm sure she'll be back in a second to let us all know exactly what's going on. <laughs> How rude. I love it, it's brilliant. Oh, the joys of recording podcasts. My housemate has just shouted me. And one of the cats has brought a mouse in in a live one and dropped it in the hallway. And it ran into the living room. My housemate trapped it in a corner and it ran up her arm and went up a T-shirt. <laughs> and I went Brilliant. downstairs. I went downstairs. And this oh. mouse's head sticking out of the neck of a T-shirt. Oh, I love it. I love it. I wish I'd been there. So she took a T-shirt off in the, in the hallway and the mouse fell out onto the floor. So the cat grabbed it again, Oh no! ran outside with it, stuck his head outside the cat flap and dropped the mouse. Oh. Now, we're not sure whether he's dropped the mouse outside the cat flap or he's dropped it in the conservatory. The only place we can think it can be is behind the bookcase. But the bookcase is full of books, so I've just left my housemate down there now stripping off the bookcase so we can move the bookcase to see if the mouse is behind there. Big question. Is she wearing any clothes now? Well, she did put them back on, but it was hilarious. Just sounds absolutely adorable, this little mouse sticking out the corner of the T-shirt. She wasn't impressed at all, and I just didn't know whether to... Well, I didn't know what to do. She's (laughs) she's having an absolute frantic mad moment at the bottom of the stairs, screaming her head off, and this mouse is stuck out on the top of a (laughs) T-shirt. I love it. I love it. They were really cute, actually, that poor mouse. But, oh, well, back to the podcast. Yeah. I'm going to turn that into a flash fiction. It, it, it has got all the makings, that, of, an, of, a, of a brilliant flash fiction story. Do it. I'd read it. I wonder if I could use it as my inspiration for It's Complicated, because I don't really know which one of them I want to keep. <laughs> the mouse and my house, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I love the mouse. It was cute. He's got this little, really little cute face, and we just took out the top of a neck of a T-shirt. It was so funny. It was just hilarious. <laughs> oh, that's I wish, adorable. Oh, I wish I'd have had a camera. Let's get on with the episode now, after all of that. And we've had another submission for Flash Fiction in from uh, Caroline Ward-Daniels. She's actually quite a good writer. I do like reading her stuff. Quite a good writer. She's brilliant. She's a very good writer, actually, yes. <laughs> and I have got the pleasure or the honour of reading out Caroline's Flash Fiction for this week. Okay, so, I will let you get on. I will get my cup of tea and put my feet up and have a listen. So it's entitled The Gift That Keeps On Giving. Kathy was avoiding all the Christmas shoppers and may have literally bumped into her best friend Sal if it hadn't have been for the two-metre distancing rule. She smiled affectionately as Sal blew her an air kiss. They would normally have hugged. Kathy pinched the lapels of her coat together to ward off the cold. I'll be glad when this Covid crap is over. I am absolutely sick of it. Better than being sick with it. I'm struggling to get Christmas presents. There's only supermarkets open and only four weeks to go. I've done all mine, Sal said smugly. I hate the pressure of buying presents. I was sick of that. So I bought all mine in the last January sales and wrapped them as well. Oh, well done. I've always wanted to do that. I even got your joke present too. I can't wait. I still smile at the chocolate penis you got me last year. Well, no chocolate this year. I had to store them in the top of the warm airing cupboard. 
they said their farewells, arranging an outdoor meeting for their ritual of exchanging gifts. The next two weeks screamed by and Sal asked her husband Ray to get the Christmas tree and decorations from the loft. Also, the wrapped presents from the airing cupboard. The tree landed first and she busied herself trimming it. When Ray slid the shiny wrapped parcels from the top shelf, some of the sticky tape had curled in the heat and he pressed them down. A few labels were unattached, but they were settled on parcels, so he stuck them back on. One stuck to his jumper and he found a parcel without a label and put it right. It had been a miserable year of lockdowns and this Christmas wouldn't be the same not being able to have the family round. All presents were dutifully delivered by Ray and Cathy and Sal had their distance meeting in the park. They exchanged their joke presents. Sal couldn't help but smirk when she handed over hers. She would love to see Cathy's face Christmas Day when she opened the vibrator disguised as a large lipstick. Mid-Christmas morning, the phone rang. Ray answered it as Sal basted the turkey. She looked puzzled when Ray said his dad loved his cookery book, said he always wanted to experiment with different spices. Cookery book? But I bought him a poker game set, I think. Oh, mummy's looking forward to having a tot of whiskey in her tea. But I got her bath bombs. Sal rang her own mum and thanked her for the jigsaws she loved new ones to do. I hope I didn't get you one you already have and I will miss not having you here for Christmas dinner. I miss you too, but don't worry about dinner, my love. I don't like turkey sprouts, stuffing or Christmas pudding. My favourite is lasagna and that's what I'm having. Sal resumed her prepping, tried to remember where she had put her present list 11 months ago. Suddenly she dropped everything and rang Cathy. Merry Christmas, Sal. I hope you liked your sexy fireman calendar. I love my poker game. A bit sober for you, though. Oh, my God. I do like it, Sal. Sal. Oh, no. I meant it. I've always wanted to learn how to play. Cathy, I'll ring you back later. Merry Christmas. In the sideboard drawer, she found the year-old present list. She sat down and ran her nail down the paper and spoke to herself as if it would clarify everything. Uncle Bill should have had the whiskey. Ray's mum should have had the bath bombs. Auntie Ava should have had the cookery book. And Ray's dad should have had the poker game. Shit! Gingerly, she pressed the buttons to phone Uncle Bill and Auntie Ava. Hello, Uncle Bill. It's Sal. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Sal. Hey, thanks for those bath bombs. It would be lovely to get home from unblocking smelly drains and have a nice soak. Sal took a deep breath and said, You're welcome. Is, is Auntie Ava there? She closed her eyes and bit her lip. She's getting dressed, love. Well, I think she's getting dressed. She's been upstairs ages. As soon as she opened your present, off she went. I think she was going to put some makeup on. I'll go and shout her. No, no, it's all right. I'll catch up with her soon. Sal found Ray wrist deep in Quality Street, seeking out his favourites. Ray, you know, when you delivered the presents, did you get them mixed up? How could I? Why? Well, it's just that your dad has got the cookery book I got for Auntie Ava and your mum has got Uncle Bill's whiskey. Ray looked thoughtful as he picked out the toffee penny and then he let out a long, Ooh, ah, I might have an idea what might have happened. Sal's eyebrows rose up her wrinkled brow waiting for the information. Ray was preoccupied, peeling off the bright yellow cellophane. What? She snapped. Ah, well, when I slid the parcels from the airing cupboard, some of the tags were loose, but I guess they were sat on the right presents, so I secured them back on. Oh, my God, Auntie Ava. 
is she all right? Well, I think she's having a happy Christmas. I love that. That's it's a cla- that is a classic. Yeah. I like that as well. Oh, good old man. Auntie Ava. Good old Auntie Ava. I bet Auntie Ava is having happy Christmas. <laughs> They've come all you faithful. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Auntie Ava. Oh, dear me. Did you enjoy your coffee then while I was reading that? Yes, thank you very much. Yeah. Very nice. Mm. <laughs> she is such a good writer, isn't she, Carolyn? She is. Very, very good, yes. Yeah. She never lets me down. She's just, no. just so good. I like that. I really do like that. Yeah, you know, it's very same, topical. It is topical, isn't it? And thank you very much, Caroline, <laughs> for that one. I like your imagination, I have got to say. Yes. I like the way that Caroline writes, the way she talks. Yes. She's very good at that. She it's is. Very, it's conversational. It's like she's telling you a story out loud, the way she writes it, the whole style of it. It's like having a good old gossip over the garden fence. Yeah, it is. It's great. Mind you, having said that, I liked your story as well, you know. I thought that was really good. It was quirky, it was innovative, and it was a bit bitchy. Mm, Maybe. You know, I mean, at some point, you have got to understand here that possibly, you know, Millie might end up getting arrested and then the kids will have nobody. But she's covered her tracks. How is she? No, 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 no. You can't cover your tracks that much. Well, Norman's gone away on a business trip, in inverted commas, so he's Mm. not there for her to have done anything to him. She's let it be known around the neighbourhood that the marriage is in trouble and she's afraid of him meeting somebody else because things aren't going very well and she's living next door, etc., etc. So she's got Jenny on board. She's sown the seeds. I suppose she has, in a way, uh, uh, sown the seeds of doubt over their relationship and what's going to be happening to it. But <sighs> So little... which one is the bad one then, really, do you think? Is it Norman or is it Millie? Absolutely, I think that Norman got what he deserved. However, there's also the sort of thoughts of Millie went a bit far. Yeah, yeah, she did go a bit far. I mean, I didn't like Norman at all. I thought it was horrible. Why would you, <laughs> why would you psychologically want to mess with somebody's head by kidnapping a child from the bed? I mean, that was just, well, yeah. Yeah, see, so when it was the Christmas one... Not the Christmas one. January sales. January sales. Yeah. And Norman took Fletcher next door. Yeah, come on, Daisy, keep up. <laughs> Sorry. You and Carolyn were like, it's his wife and Fletcher's his son. And so he's not really done anything other than take his son to his own house to be with his sister. And you were both all right with that. It was absolutely fine. But since we've had the next story and you've had a little bit more insight into Norman, it's like, oh, my God, Norman's a dick. He was horrible. He was just a controlling little squirt. Yes, yes, he is, yes. Wasn't he? I mean, she were a bit feckless, really. Why would you even want to move in next door to your blooming ex? Well, he contrived that, didn't he? Yeah, but she didn't have to go along with it. She didn't, did she? No. I think the thing was the children. Yeah. And she didn't want thing. to be away from Jessica. No. Because no. he got custody of Jessica. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall at that court case. And that's all, a, a, that's a, that's another story entirely, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. So we're kind yeah. of weaving these little interstories in and around the, the story of Norman. I know. I'll tell you what's hard is containing something that's got so many variables into a flash fiction when yeah. really you could just keep going and keep going and keep going. 
let's talk about your story. So, first of all, it's hugely relatable. Yeah. Hugely relatable. How many couples have sat at home sniping at one another? You snore, you don't talk to me, you keep the remote control, you, you don't take enough interest. It's so relatable. Half the population is living that life for yeah, a start. And I think it's funny as well, but it's funny because it's true. Yeah. So it's either going to be make or break, isn't it? Lockdown for couples yeah, at the I moment. Think, I think it is. I mean, can you imagine going into lockdown? If you are married to somebody and you were having an affair with somebody else, <laughs> what the hell were you going to do? Well, that's the affair sorted then, isn't it? But is it the affair sorted or does it just make the person hanker more after the person they can't see? How many like, people do you think are in the back bedroom having Zoom sex with the girlfriends? <laughs> or the boyfriends i don't know i've no idea so do you think couples look at one another and think about how they could make it look like an accident you know just if one day the other half managed to vanish say i don't think that's ever crossed my mind i think your subconscious has thought about it because it's in your story so it came from somewhere yeah to be honest it it kind of started off and this is really bizarre when I dropped the remote. Okay. And I was looking at the remote and thinking, because I don't have to argue with anybody over the remote. That's my other point about your story, actually. Let me just say, so were you having a flat out dig at men and their thing about remote controls? And do you think it's called a remote control for a reason? <laughs> I never even really thought about that, to be honest. <laughs> you know, well, so, so how do same-sex couples go on then when one's dominating the remote? You know, I've I've sat there and watched episodes of Blooming Coronation Street and Emmerdale and EastEnders and thought, really, do we have to do this again? OK, so it's the same scenario. Whoever has the most dominant personality and wants to pick up the remote control and own it. Yeah. So you almost have to ask permission to change the channel. It's like, it's... hey, love, are you watching this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, they're not. They're playing on the phone. And when you say, can I turn it off? No, I was watching this. Oh, when they've fallen asleep and they're snoring. So you pick up the remote control all nice and quiet. Yeah. And they go, I was and watching that. And then you go, just turn over and they suddenly open their eyes. They go, what are you doing? I'm watching that. Yeah. And you know damn well they're not. I know. You were snoring. So no, it wasn't actually meant to be a sort of stereotypical thing at all. It fell out of the fact that I dropped the remote on the floor. Yeah. And I thought, that's my remote. And and then my mind just started to go on and I thought, I don't have anybody to argue with about watching the telly. Yeah. It's those little nuggets, those little worms. Yeah. That start things off like Carolyn was saying, there's like yes. little things and then that's where the words fall. I love that saying of hers. That's yeah. where the words fall. Where the or words fall. Um, you've got to have an idea of what the story is or what does she say? Or there's nowhere for the words to go. Yeah. Excellent points. Another question I want to ask you about your story before we move on. Mm -hmm. James was elated when Sarah left him. Yeah. Elated. Yeah. Couldn't wait for that moment, dreamed about that moment. Why didn't he leave her? Because he's too damn lazy. Okay, that sorted that out. <laughs> my, my idea of James was that he was totally and completely dependent on other people for the way that he felt. Yeah. So other people's actions either made him happy or sad or miserable or fed up or bored or irritated. Yeah. And he kind of didn't have 
Well, he had no backbone, to be honest. (laughs) Oh, dear. I'm glad the story stopped there because I can see going forward that James is absolutely fine for about a week on his own. Yeah. Doing what he needs to do. But when his beer runs out and his food runs out, his clean clothes run out. The thing is that that when you think about the bit of my story, and it was quite sort of ironic when James was thinking about how he could get rid of Sarah and meet somebody else that had appreciated him for him. He walked home with a spring in his step that he'd not had since the days when he and Sarah first got engaged. Okay. So at some point, he viewed Sarah as somebody that appreciated him. Yeah. Enough to want to marry her. Yeah. Let's talk about next week. Okay, so what have we got coming up next week? You're the person with the board. I'm the person with the board, that is true. You are, I have, yeah. I have this big white board nailed to the back of the door in the attic, which is where I do my podcasting, and it's got the entire season on little post-it notes stuck to the board with magnets. It looks amazing. I may show you one day. I may put a picture of it on Instagram. Just tell us what's happening next week. <laughs> you and your OCD and your board. I just, I am the queen of post-it notes, what you can are. I say? Yeah. Anyway. Back to next week. This is a book podcast. <laughs> yeah, not a, not, a, not a post-it podcast. Yeah, not post-it notes. So next week, I am reading a book called When the Storm Ends by Rebecca L. Marsh. In fact, I've just finished it and it is brilliant. So I'm going to talk to you all about that next week and what it's like to just sit with my feet up in the middle of COVID. And it's just the best form of escapism. So I'm going to talk all about that book, what the story was like, what I thought about it. And then April is going to come in with whatever she was. She is reading this week. What are you reading this week? I'm reading a book by an author that I discovered called Debbie Young, and she's wrote quite a lot of stuff. Mm. And it's a bit of a grown-up version of Mallory Towers or St. Clair's, those books by Enid Blyton. Grown-up um, like expletives and rude or grown-up just adult? I've just gone from that. You, you've read a book that was that you've got lost in. Yeah. I mean, I've also read a book that I got lost in, but not quite in the same way. I'll leave it to next week, <laughs> to your imagination. <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's interesting. It's, it's well, if you like Mallory Towers and St. Clair's, it's a bit like that. I loved Mallory Towers. In the fact that they're set in a school. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's as much as you need to know. Yeah. Oh, well, everybody, I'd better join us next week then to learn more about that and more about Rebecca's book. I can't wait. Would you recommend? No, don't don't tell me. I'll ask you next week. Talk to everybody next week then. Take care mm. till then. Take care. Stay safe. If you've read a book by an indie author that you've really enjoyed, email the title across to us at contactors at barebooks.co.uk. And if we read it, we will discuss it on the podcast. Excellent. If you happen to be an indie author and would like us to add your book to our reading list, maybe even come and talk about it on the podcast, send your suggestions to submissions at barebooks.co.uk. And if you fancy a go at writing flash fiction and want the chance to be published in our flash fiction anthology for 2021, pop onto our social media for the full list of writing prompts for this season and also the word count at Bear Books Podcast on Facebook and Instagram or at Bear Books Pod 1 on Twitter. Thanks to Simon Strong for the musical interludes. You can Instagram him at dadnap.mp3. Stay safe until next time. Let me know.